Hey, greetings, sports fans and Catholic radio listeners. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And you're listening to Two Guys in a Conversation. Well, Brad, welcome back to the show. We missed you uh, a couple weeks ago, and then we had a break last week in our uh, in our podcast. And um, so we got to recap some things today. Uh, uh, the Super Bowl we got to talk about. We got to talk a little Siouxland sports and some things that are happening here as the season's winding down. Morningside, Briarcliff. Well, Morningside, Briarcliff basketball um, and, and, the, and the cliff showing some some life. And uh, talk a little bit later in the show about uh, basketball analysts and, and some of my thoughts and your thoughts on that. And maybe we'll touch on some Big Ten hoops as well. But let's get started tonight talking about healing girls. Um, 11 wins in a row, peaking, heading into the, uh, into the tournament time, and, uh, but got tripped up uh, in their last game against AL, which is a very you know, tough place to play down in Council Bluff. But sure looks like they're ready to go for the, to the, the tournament, Brett. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, that's a team that they beat handily earlier in the year. So let's hope that that's, uh, you know, just a, a one-off. And, you know, sometimes yeah. it's not bad to have that happen late in the season. Yeah. Get everyone's attention. They're going to practice a little, you know, harder. So here, here's the deal. At the beginning of the year, we had Coach Cool in here, and you asked him what it was going to take to run the tables. We know they've got the athletes. Right. Um, and your key to victory, you said, uh, to bring home a state championship, you thought was three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. It was one of the major factors. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, Still do. Yeah. And so I noticed, I was looking at the stats, they're at 28, just over 28% for the year from threes. Yeah. Is that good enough? Um, it probably won't be unless their defense, and they have the athletes, can create enough baskets for them. So that, that's what they do in their 1-3-1 one, one half-court trap. They run as good as any girls' high school team. If they can create enough turnovers to get easy baskets and not have to be dependent on the outside shooting, they play a team that can athletically match up with them and then collapse around Ella Skinner and force them, that could be trouble. Right, right. And um, so, so, so down the road in the, in the right contest, that's where it's going to become a fact. I think it very well could be. You know, it's, it sounds like the old coach in you, Brad. Uh, I happened to run into the, the Healing Girls assistant coach, uh, Jeff Donaldson, today. And um, uh, he said this AL loss, not the world's worst thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe ground them a little bit, be really focused going in. And they start tournament play this weekend. Um, and uh, I think they got a little bit of a weird draw because they're the number one seed. But if they were to win and continue to win, I think the regional game or the game to go to state has to be played in Orange City. But potentially, Unity. They could be facing Unity yeah. in their own town, which uh, yeah. doesn't well, make a lot of sense. That, that's a tough one. So I look, looked up. I went back uh, and looked at the past two girls' state championship teams. You've got 2008, 2010. Pretty special players. Yeah. Right? So I don't know if it's fair to compare. But, right, right. Uh, 2008, that was Michelle on senior year. They shot 50% from the field, 42% from three points. Yeah, yeah. Pretty impressive. 2010, Carly Tritz, senior year, 26 and one, 51% from the field, and 33% from three point range. And the thing I noticed is that during those years, you only had a handful of people, less than a handful. You really had two or three girls basically shooting the three right michelle lund uh, and amanda hoffman was a was a really stellar key piece on that right side shooting threes for that yeah. team and and 
the reason that was so important is because guess what it did? It created space for Carly Titch just to, to do her right. thing. And, and Carly herself, she was a good three-point shooter. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know that uh, Kulstra, you know, of course, coached the 2010 team. He, you know, he gets a lot more shots up. Yep. And like you said, it, he, he creates uh, offense with his defense. But, you know, so this team is shooting 43% and uh, 28.5 from three. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see if it's uh, good enough. But I, I always like to look at um, shooting statistics for girls teams because yeah. great girls teams are great shooters. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, Cool would admit he's got a very physical, very athletic team. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll see if that'll carry him. Let's hope. Some streaky three-point shooting, you know. Um, some of the players in that team, I know Katie Cook can get hot. You know, and, and you just sometimes hope that at the right moment, uh, the ball goes in the hoop, and, and that could be the case. But um, if I were, and I, I, I said this to Coach Cool, if I'm playing you, I'm going to limit your possessions, and I'm going to try to create a half court game. Mm-hmm. As long as I've got the ability to handle the ball against right. you, if I don't, I'm going to press you. I'm going to try to make you feel uncomfortable. It's a shark. It's a shark fight. Mm-hmm. You're either getting bit. Or you're getting your, or you're biting, and I think you have to turn the tables. Yeah. And, and, uh, so what's the old saying? Uh, teams that press don't like to be exactly. pressed. Exactly. They don't like to be pressed. Well, this is going to be fun, um, and hopefully they're going to get on a roll and, and and bring back the gold. They certainly have all of the all the pieces there if it all comes together. Briarcliff uh, Morningside. You know, we we've given Morningside a lot of love on the show, Brad, as far as basketball and football this year, rightfully so. Um, you know, Morningside men ranked number one and had a 21 to something like that winning streak, uh, but, but rolled into the cliff, the inner city rival rivalry game, Briar cliff has, has had its, its ups and downs this year, prohibitive underdog, and then knocks off Morningside. So Briar cliff had lost six in a row. Um, and then they, they went into, uh, those three ranked teams They were at number 17, Mount Marty which got them kicked off. They, they won 190. Then they were uh, against number one Morningside and number 10 Dakota Wesleyan. They go 3-0 and during that stretch. Yep. They get two NAIA National Players of the Week yeah. during that stretch. Jackson Lamb and Friedel. Yeah, so evidently um, they've got a little basketball in them hey. uh, left, and they can light it up. I had a really nice little conversation with Coach Schultz, who's been a Briarcliff assistant. If you've never had a chance to, to talk with him about basketball, it's a it's a joy. And so we we chat a little bit about the season and and kind of the how a little missing piece of the puzzle. A guy doesn't come back. Maybe a guy gets hurt, uh, transfers out, you know, and it just disrupts what you really had set for the year. But he he said what they did, um, you know, they're in a losing streak. And it's frustrating. It's in a grind. This is a tough part of the year. A lot of coaches narrow, shorten their practice times. And he said, you know what the coach said to me, the head coach, he said, coach, uh, get everybody lined up for practice. Tell them be here at four o'clock. We're going to Minerva's for burgers. We're not practicing. Tonight. Yeah. And look what happened. Yeah. Bam. Three Any, games. and Anything to shake it up. So, yeah. you know, you mentioned Ron Schultz, who he is a classic. You want, you want to know what a classic is, and I experienced it last year. So Ron's got uh, some grandsons that play for Helan. Yeah. Um, so if you attend a healing game and set with Ron Schultz, Steve Schultz, and Kevin Schultz, you learn a lot about basketball. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good stuff there. So anyway, um, uh, you know, the GPAC tournament is going to be coming up here soon. And 
we'll see how Morningside is, is rebounding. They came back with a big win after that game at home and maybe got their attention a little bit. Um, and then they're going to have the bullseye on their back as they, as they go through the GPAC tournament and then try to, to make a run in the national tournament, which is just up the road in Sioux Falls again this year, Brad. And then I think the venue changes. Uh, NAIA, Division Two and Division One are going to blend into one. And, and it wouldn't surprise me that that tournament's held in Kansas City. It would make the most sense because that's the headquarters of NAI. I think Kansas City would be a great venue. I think so, too. You know, Big 12 tournaments there, man. There's nothing better than going to that. Well, listen, uh, good start to the show tonight, Brad. And, and uh, we've got lots to talk about in our next section of the show. We're going to do our own Super Bowl recap. And uh, we'll be back after the break on Two Guys and a Conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson, along with our co-host, Brad Moore. And we're entering Brad and Steve's Room of Knowledge, our section of the show where we get to talk about anything we really like sports-wise. And, Brad, we uh, we missed you on the uh, the last show, and we had some Morningside footballers and our good friend, Brad, uh, Brian Atchison, uh, helping us uh, – do the show that night. And it was fun to hear the football player's perspective. Yeah, it, it was a good show. I listened to the podcast. It was, it was entertaining. They're very well spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, the question I have is, I still see there's a bunch of snacks set out here. How, how in the world did the boys get out of here without eating all the beef jerky? Well, this is, this is what happened that night, Brad. We took them to pasta night over at the, the oh. Dunes Country Club. And, and Brian Atchison... Uh, uh, treated them and 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 listen, that place will never be the same after those guys ate there that night. So, uh, but anyway, it's fun listening to those guys talk. And we had a a Kansas City supporter, Joel Kotzer, and then Addison and and uh, uh, Nicholas Gustav, both were very pro San Francisco. Brian Atchison kind of you know hemmed and hawed and finally said Kansas City. I picked San Francisco, and my reasoning with San Francisco is I thought they had more offensive balance, um, and. But I did leave it with an asterisk. Don't I don't know if I want to bet against uh, Pat Mahomes. Yeah, and sure enough, that was a difference. Yeah, if I'm ever torn in any any kind of game like that, I basketball, football, uh, it's wise to go with the team with the most exciting best player. Andy Reid is the old veteran coach. Kyle Shanahan is the new kid on the block. I thought Kyle Shanahan played played it in the first half like he's an old veteran coach just being happy going in tight at half versus being more aggressive and trying to get points and then having the ball in your hands and trying to if they get the lead they may be able to run the ball better and you know I was a little disappointed and then I was disappointed in Kittle getting that offensive pass interference yes and it was legit in this today's thing but but boy that would have made a difference for them I think getting some points yeah you know the pass interference both ways, offensive, deep, so unpredictable. It's gotten to be so subjective. It is so subjective, and it's maddening because they're yeah. all important end-of-game kind of plays. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the old days of the charging foul. You know, there's always a, what, is that a charge? And it's, it's way more clearly defined today in basketball using an analogy where they've got the, they've got the arc, and they've really got a very good understanding that, you know, what a charge really is. and I helped. I think the game is better because there's not so many charges being trying to be taken, um, and, and it's. And it, I think it's not as um, subjective as it used to be. 
But this this uh, football, as far as you know, cornerback uh, versus wide receiver, I never know. Yeah. What it you know what you can do, what you yeah. can't do. Yeah. Well, I do know this that Kittle <clears throat> probably never got called for offensive pass interference in college because Iowa <laughs> famously against Nebraska runs a pick play to the tight end, scores on the little out on the goal line. All the time as I'm jumping up and down yelling, that's interference. He picked him. But uh, well, I don't know who the offensive coordinator was at Iowa. But why didn't they throw him the ball yeah. a whole lot more? Yeah, right. And they might have won that national championship game or that, that Big Ten championship game against Michigan State. Yeah. Talking about Iowa pros, there's a lot of them. And, and I can't believe that's a testament to their player development that right. there are so many good Iowa pros in the NFL. And if you look at Iowa's recruiting classes, mm-hmm. It doesn't equate. You, you shouldn't have the number 30th recruiting class year after year in the yeah. United States and put that many great right. pros. Right. So uh, they're doing a great job of evaluating and a great job of development. Well, it's very interesting, too, is is, is that uh, they picked up another tight end kid. Uh, this Sam Laporte, we've talked about him. He has got the potential to be the next guy there. He's very special. He runs like Hawkinson, not as fast as Kittle, but very much like Hawkinson. And they've recruited some other quality uh, incoming tight ends this year. Now on the recruiting board, the th- next three tight ends are all four stars, all from around the country looking. One of them is Thomas Fedone from Lewis Central. And he's the 60th ranked player in the country. Yeah. He loves Iowa with this exception. Yeah. I, I want to play right away. I, I, I'm not, you know. Yeah. And so my thoughts are, listen, okay, I get it. But if you don't think you're good enough to march in there and make a difference right away, you better go somewhere else. Right. Right. So Nebraska is going to get it. Well, I saw that Alabama jumped in. Everybody's after that. Right. Kid. He's got a ton of, 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 of uh, options. And he's the number two player in Iowa. You've got the outside or the defensive, defensive end. Who got offered by Alabama, too. Got offered by Alabama. So those two players, everybody in the country is after right, him. So right. Wisconsin appears to be leading for bowlers. For bowlers. And yeah. so it'll be interesting to see where they end up. Well, the funny thing is bowler's dad played for Iowa. No. He's a legacy, but yet he has not shown the absolute love and 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 I'm going to really focus as one of my choices, Iowa. He's kind of got the communication. AJ Epineza, there was really little doubt. Yes, he was going to be an Iowa Hawker. Right. right. So uh, it'll be interesting. Um, there's a lot more rivalry going on in this recruiting thing. Is uh, between Iowa and Nebraska. It's really fun to see this Blake Gunnerson, who's out of Carroll. We've talked a little bit about Blake. Um, it appears that he's going to be the number one ranked player now in the uh, state of Iowa and going to Nebraska. DN. Really? For 2019? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So that's a pretty cool uh, development there. So back to the Super Bowl game a little bit, Brad. So, you know, um, I thought it was one of the more entertaining Super Bowls I've watched in a long time. Um, I love the fact that we have young Young, young superstars now in the game. I, we needed a fresh face. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy GQ, I'm telling you, he's, he's classy. He's fun. He's got ability. 49ers are young. Um, Pat Mahomes, though, he's, he, is he going to be the next Michael Jordan uh, athlete type, or, you know, maybe in the football world? Maybe the most marketable NFL player that there is right now. Yeah. Turnaround story for San Francisco versus – a uh, Kansas City team that hasn't won the Super Bowl in 50 years. It made for a great Super Bowl. This is the first Super Bowl I watched every play of in probably 10 to 15 years. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. And and I think that they said that the the, uh, the the number of people viewing the game was up dramatically. 
it's been kind of at a flat line. And so that's also a good sign for the NFL and a good sign for, for football. Maybe something to do at the halftime show. Well, that was pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I, I, speaking of the halftime show, it was pretty funny. I see that J-Lo was so excited that she was on the Super Bowl and um, and looked amazing and did everything amazing. And, and she has some support team around her and she's just emotional. And she said, I need I, I need a donut. <laughs> so they went and got her a donut. It just cracks me up that, you know, after something like that, that she would have that comment. But So, you know, if you would have told me before the Super Bowl that um, – so I, I'm looking at the rushing yards here. San Francisco had 141. Yeah, yeah. Kansas City had 129. If you'd have told me there's 12 yards separating uh, on the ground between yeah. the two teams, yeah. I would have picked Kansas City. Oh, here's a funny, funny thing too. Prop bets. Prop bets in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. Pat Mahomes over under on rushing yards. He had he so so those people that prop betted him getting more rushing yards and say thirty five or something 29 like that twenty nine or twenty I so, think it was anywhere from twenty eight five to thirty five so he's way over and then the last three <laughs> he has to kneel down and he loses four yards per per time the yeah. people are already spending their money <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man yeah that's hilarious that kind of stuff is just so classic in the in the betting world so then the the I think I don't know how many he finished with. Let me look here. He finished with 29. So I think half yard under. Well, well, I think some of the early betters covered thanks to the last pass. They were they're thinking he's going to kneel down again. Didn't he pass on the last player? So so I think there were Oh, he um, threw that one way up in the air as an incomplete. Right. You're so right. I think there was a few people out there that actually covered on. Oh, that's that's crazy. Good stuff. Well, listen, uh, that's fun to recap the Super Bowl, Brad, and and uh we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back for our last part of the show on Two Guys in a Conversation. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Two Guys in a Conversation. Steve Ferguson along with our co-host, Brad Moore. and uh, We're in the depths of basketball, uh, not only high school and local college, but uh, the, the bigger college scene. Uh, you know, the power fives and division one. And, and it's getting to be one of my most favorite times of the year, which is March madness time and, and uh, tournament time. And uh, tonight I, I wanted to just bounce some things off, off you, Brad. First of all, did you happen to see any of the Duke North Carolina game? I was out to dinner with my wife and I saw about the last minute of regulation and then overtime. I've got a, an employee that's a crazy Duke fan. I text him right afterwards. I said, Holy cow, that was a great game. So the interesting thing about it is they have a college game day there, the basketball thing, you know, and they've, the, the, the North Carolina fans are in the stands in the morning and noon and the buildup to this game. And, and North Carolina is having a very, very bad year for them, very poor, and had lost uh, Anthony, the, their top player, who's going to probably go to the NBA this year as a, a point guard. And so you're thinking this is really not even going to be a matchup. But yet the rivalry game stands up to the expectation. And once again, it was a classic. But but what was fascinating is how a team that is sideways can lose a game like that. They're up, I don't know, 16, mm -hmm. second half. Yeah. And 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 you know, Duke attacks. But North Carolina had multiple chances to win. They missed yeah. free Make throws. A free throw. And they couldn't get the ball inbounds. They couldn't run their inbounds play. Yeah. It was just, it was almost amazing. That if, it's almost like, hey, I'm not sure we can win here. 
Yeah. Versus, hey, we're North Carolina. We're winning this game. Yeah. They lack that it factor or or that alpha factor that they normally have. Well, so momentum is powerful. And mm-hmm. Coach Moody used to tell me back in the day when I was sitting on the bench with him that if you can get the momentum swung your way late, that the other team tightens up, oh, yeah. makes a few out of character mistakes. Right if on. you can get them. You know, if you can get them to tighten up and have a little bit of doubt, there's always a chance. Right. Always a chance. Right. And that's why you see so many great finishes. Oh, yeah. You know, in the little days of, of, of basketball and coaching and that kind of thing, especially in the girls' side of things. And you were very much a, a, a part of that whole understanding. When, when we had a, a team we were playing and we pressed and we started to feel like we got a steal and a score and we were in a maybe a half-court type trap. We would just do this, and we push it like we just brought the tidal wave at them. We'd just push the whole thing up. If they're good enough to throw it all the way across the top of us, good for them. Yeah. But they just would panic, and we'd get an extra bucket or two. And, you know, you, you got them back in the corner. Yeah. And uh, that's basketball, one-on-one. So I think that that Duke, uh, the, you know, the missed free throw, purposely missed free throw in overtime, mm. it long, comes out long. The guy throws up an air ball that then gets tipped in yeah. for the winner. That That's such an Incredible, unbelievable play. One instant classic. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing is uh, uh, they talked about um, what's his name? Uh, the guy that the Duke point guard is it? Uh, not Trey Jones, is it? Is it Jones? Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember his name. But but anyway, um, his brother plays in, in the uh, NBA. But they said that he practiced that. He was talking about with the assistant coach of Duke. They practice it, and the ball always is out to the right. I mean, isn't that crazy? The yeah. preparation. Yeah. And then the fundamentals come into play. Last night, I watched it in the, in the Illinois-Michigan State. At the end of the game, Brad, uh, Illinois is up by a point. Came back from 17 down at home to take the lead. Uh, their best player, Winston, drives to the left, guards with him. Big post guy comes up to contest the shot. The weak side guy, whose job should be looking for a box out, goes like he's going to contest too. What happens? Ball comes off the bang board. Michigan State guy comes Put in and rams it home. Yep. And it's just a, and that is the same thing that happened in the Duke game. Uh, remember the Hoosier statement, don't get caught watching the paint dry? Yeah. The same thing happened. That guy from North Carolina is watching the ball. All he had to do is put a body in the other guy and they win. Yep. You like see it all the time. Fundamental stuff. So Nebraska, Maryland. Um, Nebraska comes from behind. Oh, yeah. Has a shot to win it at the end. <clears throat> I think seven seconds left, whatever it was. Cam Mack, our point guard, walks it up with seven seconds left. And I said to my wife right away, I said, well, he's, he wants to take the last shot. That's yeah. why he's taking so much time getting yeah. up the court. So he drives. It, it's contested and blocked. But, but the big guy comes over to block him. And our post player is sitting there wide open for a dunk, for the winning dunk, had he just dropped it you, off. You know, you got to know, if you're going to drive against a great shot blocker like yeah. they have, that if he comes over to contest the shot, chances are your post is going to be open. Right, right, right. No, no doubt about it. I watched that play last night. You're going out their best player, and 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 he and he committed. So there's no doubt there's a drop off there. Yeah, but uh, and as well as there, there were three players standing around the three point, you know, wide open. Yeah, I, I'm not going to criticize a young guard for you know being aggressive and taking it to the hoop because you know he maybe gets fouled or right. makes shot. Make a play, but. Um, you know, once that shot blocker comes over, once their their player comes over and contests it as hard as he did, you got to be dishing. I ran a, I watched a Kentucky run a 
play last night as they're coming back against Vanderbilt. I loved it. And what it does is they, they ran their shooting guard down to the baseline and had them set a little bit of a back pick for their post. And then their point guard drove hard, just like the Nebraska did. And this guy drifts back to the top of the key. He drives hard, turns, kicks it back to him. Bam, they ran it twice. Yeah. And there were huge, huge possessions in the comeback. But yeah, tr- I really love that play. I love it a lot. And you know. uh, neat deal. So one of the things about watching all these college games, Brad, that can really make the, the game more enjoyable or less enjoyable is the analyst. Yeah. And and I put up some names that are familiar to me and, and to you. The Big Ten has some good ones in Steve Bardo, Joe Crispin who now I think does a lot of maybe ACC-type games. Chrisman's a former Penn State player. Dan Dakich, uh, I believe, does a lot of Big Ten games. And then to me, the the absolute bar in college basketball analysts is Jay Billis. Um, I, I tell you what, I love listening to that guy. He's got a great perspective on the game. He's balanced. Um, you contrast uh, Billis versus Dakich. Dakich gets all... Uh, Opinionated. He makes a p- opinion and he drives it all the way to the, you know, all the way. He's not real balanced. Uh, you know, he's a pretty smart guy and he's got a lot of good points, but he tends to like, you know what? Yeah, that might be a good point, but you don't know the whole story. Billis will tell you two sides of the story and that's what makes him different. It could be that you elbowed me in the jaw, okay, and the official calls a foul on you, all right? And you're like, whoa, man, that was, you know, such and such a play and it's going to be flavor foul. Billis has the ability to re- evaluate, but you don't understand three plays before that. What you did to me were grab me on a rebound, push me when I, you know, there's some subtle things. In the heat of competition, sometimes things happen. Yeah, I love Billis's ability to just give this total balance, and I think that makes him special. Yeah, I speaking of the Big Ten, I think that the Big Ten announcers football and basketball. I really like him. Yeah. I like him a lot. I like that Stephen Bardo. Stephen Bardo's my second favorite. Yeah. I think he's really knowledgeable and I don't mind Sean Morris. He sounds Oh little, yeah, Sean Morris. Good yeah. one. Yes. He sounds a little like Bill Walton yeah. a little bit. But Bill Walton. <laughs> but Bill Walton. I, I really like him. But uh if you go back to some of the classic announcers, um Vital, you know, he's Vitale, still done some games. Top of the list, but uh yeah. even Vern Lundquist, oh, yeah. who does a little football. And, and Nance, I don't care what Jim Nance, Nance is, is awesome. announcing. I love it. But, welcome, uh, welcome, friends. <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, the voice of the Huskers, um, Pavelka. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's one of my favorites, too. He gets so excited and That's animated. awesome. That's awesome. Now, that was a good call on, on Sean Morris. I, mean, he's, I, I really like him. Have you listened to Bill Walton much? I, every once in a while at night, I pick up and, and listen to Walton on the Pac-10 game. Man. It is. It's hilarious. There's very little basketball analysis. You might learn about uh, uh, astrology and flaxseed and biking, yeah. anything hippie-like. Yeah. You're gonna learn about it from yeah. Bill Walton. The only thing I I don't like during a basketball game is when the color guy tries to give you too much information, yeah. where he's really trying to analyze a play that really wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? It drives me a little crazy. Yeah, and there's a there's a bunch of them like that. But uh, and that's why I think Bardo and Billis are. Are, are my favorites you know they they are just a little bit cleaner and they don't overanalyze like you like you said and, and that's a really really good point so um gosh we run out of time already brad it went fast i know and uh we thank everybody listening to us again on two guys in a conversation there'll be a lot more hoops talk uh, coming up and maybe even a little bit of uh spring football talk on our next show sounds good